0: In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick-and-mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Uh, Today, I have a very special guest with me, uh, Sucharita Kodali. She is the VP Principal Analyst at Forrester. Uh, Sucharita, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You have a, uh, you know, a large amount of accolades and great experience in the retail side. Do you mind just uh walking our uh, our listeners through your history and and kind of what what you got got you excited initially about the retail world?
1: Well, it is it's a consumer-facing industry. I've been in retail um for the last 25 years. I've worked at various retailers, big box department stores, brand manufacturers. Mall merchants, um, non mall merchants, so have uh, have always enjoyed retail. And then I joined Forrester about fifteen years ago as an analyst, and have been working with a lot of different retailers and companies that support retailers.
0: Awesome, awesome. Given you know coming from the retail world, what what got you interested in joining um, you know analyst group like Forrester?
1: One of the advantages of being an analyst is that you get to see a lot of different companies, and you can see a lot of different Solutions and a lot of different approaches. So all of that was appealing. It was a little bit of a combination of some consulting, but also some journalism, some academia. So it was a lot of the disciplines that I found really interesting, all combined in one.
0: Awesome. And you've been at uh, some very notable brands. um, You know, prior to Sexsmith Avenue, Toys R Us, of course. During your kind of uh, retail journey. What was one one thing that was kind of notable that you learned, you know, throughout kind of joining the different companies that you think would be, you know, kind of relevant for our listeners to know about the retail world?
1: That's a good question. I don't know that I have uh, necessarily one single universal solution. It's a very evolving, constantly changing industry. It's a difficult industry. I think that a lot of people stay with retail because they enjoy it, because there's a lot of passion For it, it it's a labor of love for, for a lot of people. It's the reason that people stay in the restaurant industry. I mean, those aren't necessarily businesses with great economics, but they are putting a product that people are very emotionally attached to, and it is something that's very accessible. When you read the Wall Street Journal, there are thousands and thousands of public companies that never get covered because they're just not that interesting or because it's very difficult to explain their businesses. But a sector like retail or travel and hospitality will always get covered because these are things that people consume and that people understand. It's very easy for them to get their arms around the business. And I think that's what keeps a lot of people in it. And it's not necessarily the best business from a profitability standpoint, like I said, but but it is, is one that attracts a lot of uh, of people to the business to to try to improve and to create livelihoods from.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I started my career in retail, and I keep getting drawn back into doing doing some form of a form of being in that retail world. So, completely, completely get that. You know, as we as the world goes through, uh, you know, pre and kind of post pandemic, what do you think are some of the changes that we will see kind a of post pandemic to the retail world in general, as far as consumer? Uh, and or c- customer behavior goes
1: in the short term, there's just going to be a lot less buying in most categories that are non-essential because people will just have a lot of insecurities around their financial predicaments. They're not going to necessarily feel comfortable going into physical stores. And there's no doubt that there's going to be a pretty significant drop off in sales for almost any physical goods retailer or any any physical space which historically has depended on people coming in and and actually engaging with products or services so that i think is is almost inevitable but I think that long term, there will probably be a variety of different solutions. There are a lot of the things that we're already talking about, ranging from limiting the number of people in stores to the PPE on the part of both employees and customers and the social distancing and the stickers on the floor. But I think that there are actually going to be other mechanical engineering solutions that will help, too, that will make people feel much more comfortable, will have much better state-of-the-art ventilation and air filtration systems. We'll have state-of-the-art disinfectant. We'll have much better solutions that can help to make an environment a little bit friendlier. And no one thing, I think, will reduce the spread of any infection or any virus, but I think collectively it probably you know improves um, everything overall. It's not just the spread of of coronavirus, but we'll we'll likely see over time just the reduction of of any of a lot of different infections because we'll just be much more conscious about our environment. So, so I think that there there will be a variety of different solutions. We haven't been talking about a lot of those things like UV lights and. You know, special air filters, but I, I've no doubt that they'll be coming.
0: As reta- uh, retailers kind of prepare for some of these changes, of course, safety first, and then you know, as we, evol- we evolve from there, are there other things that you think uh, can be implemented in a, in a retail store? To you know, one of the points that you made is less people are going to go out to to properly shop. It's going to take a little bit of time for people to go out to uh, physical stores. Are there things that you think retailers can do? Of course, and you know, it has to be in a safe match and all all that good stuff, but in a way to be able to draw people back into locations.
1: It won't be easy because and it's certainly not going to be easy to get back to the numbers of this time last year. So I think that we need to. And and in fact, I don't know that we we certainly don't even want those numbers because that would mean that you're not socially distancing. So I think that what we have to do is just get to the point where people need to go to a store and that you have the policies and the procedures to accommodate that. If people have questions or needs that they need met, that you have figured out how to accomplish that, whether it's letting them test items or talk to somebody who may be able to answer questions for them. I think that retailers are going to need to think about how how are you going to generate revenue that is different from how you've done before and i think that that's a little bit of some you know some exercises that they they haven't necessarily done before but that's the level of what needs to be done the biggest challenge i think is how do you what do you do in the world where the physical real estate is not as productive as it has been and it probably won't be for the foreseeable future at least retail doesn't have the same challenges as travel and hospitality does which Is about services that are often consumed on premise. I mean, this is at least retail has e commerce, and you have a lot of digital solutions to help somebody consume your products. So, retailers clearly need to lean into that and be thinking also about what else they can do with the assets that they have, whether it is selling new assets or thinking about new business models or taking advantage of what do you have that could be a new product or a solution for customers?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. As customers navigate back into the store locations. So, yeah, you know, I was talking to a, um, a luxury retailer the other day who was trying to find more ways, you know, they were saying if if it typically 200 people walk through our store, now we can probably anticipate 20 will. And how do we educate those customers more while they're in store? How do we how do we basically connect with that customer more so they they buy more from us are there ways that you think retailers can adopt any strategies around that uh, to be able to get you know there's gonna be less people in their locations but how can I how can I you know get more from them and or be able to educate them more about my brand to connect more with my brand
1: a lot of it is about meeting people wherever they may be and whatever their questions may be I think that it could be a little bit of a risky approach to say oh how do you sell people more when they may or may not have the inclination to purchase more, especially as you're heading into a recession and people's purchasing power may be lower than ever. It could actually be quite off-putting to, you know, try to coerce into purchasing more than you may have walked in to purchase, especially if the product or solution that you have to offer isn't that compelling to start with. I think, however, that leveraging digital means to be able to support customers and answer questions that they may have is is different, and it's it's something that often is missing from retail, where you may have questions about a product and you often find it difficult to even find somebody who can answer questions about that product, or you walk into a store and you're expecting to find some merchandise and that merchandise isn't there. Well, in this paradigm, you as a retailer shouldn't be trying to sell somebody something that they don't want. You know, it's not like, oh, I walked in for Advil and, you know, would you like this um, Maybelline nail polish instead? It is, oh, you want Advil. We don't have it. This is two opportunities for us. One, let me see where I can get this for you from and two, you know, send a signal to whoever are your chief merchants that we're in a situation where we're not even carrying the products that people are in here for. So I think that those are the opportunities that retailers need to embrace is that there are demand signals every day in your stores and most retailers throw those demand signals away. They don't even look at them, they don't evaluate them, they don't even know how to capture them. Instead, they are doing exactly what you just described, which is how can I sell them more of what I have in the store, which is the bigger question of, well, why are you even carrying these items if people aren't buying them? And and that is that's an issue that Hopefully, retailers will start to get their arms around and we'll, we'll figure out. I think that also in the future, brands are going to own a lot more of their their destiny. There'll be a lot more stores within stores. And honestly, what you find when brands start to own more of that is that all of a sudden, the more compelling product actually shows up in the store because they are then responsible for the sales as opposed to just pushing whatever units that they can in order to to meet their sales goals
0: absolutely absolutely as you know one of the points that you brought up is are, are do retailers even can they capture do they have the tools to capture do they know how to capture some of those demand signals in store are there are there ways that you would that you would implement that for a retailer are there ways that you would you would suggest them implement i know every business is different but are there highline you know types of suggestions there on how to do that
1: well, what I would do is I've, I've very rarely seen an opportunity to give feedback to a retailer when you have feedback to give that is pertinent to a specific store or pertinent to inventory either missing or not being where it's supposed to be. And I don't see also very many mechanisms for associates to provide that feedback back, but I think a very easy thing is to provide a very prominent feedback tool, um like a link, uh, whether it's on an email or well, certainly not even on it doesn't even need to be an email. It could be on a website, it could be on an app. First of all, things like these feedback pages are buried deep within several links on on these web properties. and then when they do ask, they ask for details that could be very, very difficult to procure. Like, what is the UPC code of this item? Or submit a photo? Or It's like, if an item is missing, what photo am I going to submit to you? So it's a lot of it is let the customer give feedback, Let them provide the feedback on what they know, which is probably which store they're in. They're not going to know what store number it is, but if they know roughly what city and state they're in, then you, as the person, on the other hand, receiving the feedback, need to go do some homework and figure out what store could that be. And this is where things like unstructured data and AI and machine learning make a lot more sense than a lot of the solutions that machine learning and AI are being used for is like... This, this, this is a great use case of people giving you insight, go look at all of your various, you know, kind of data sets and, you know, figure out what store it is that they're talking about and see if what the situation likely is with that store's inventory situation that this person wasn't able to find the product that they said they were looking for. And either there's an issue with the store not being set to planogram or there's an issue with the item not being in the store. And either way, there are people within your organization that need to be given that feedback so that it can be fixed and that it is addressed chain-wide. And not enough of that is what happens. And there's a lot of Chasing, you know, kind of things that that don't necessarily move the needle. I mean, from a, what o- objects and what products you should even carry. I mean, one of the best open source solutions for what is selling is like the Amazon bestseller list. And I don't know enough retailers or brands really that even look at that and kind of benchmark themselves even against that. And there are lots of of you know kind of solutions, and that's one where retailers can constantly be improving themselves and improving their assortment, you know, this isn't going to solve all of your traffic issues and completely get you out of the woods from the challenge that is COVID-19. But, but these are things that are best practices that we've been talking about that retailers need to do for a long time.
0: You know, one of the things that retailers talk about is if I had an in-store presence, did I do a good enough job creating that digital experience? Which is you know quite apparent during these you know COVID 19 days of if I did, I, I've set myself up for success, if I haven't, am I scrambling to set up a digital presence? You know I know you know namely kind of omnichannel is, is really kind of a, a buzz, a buzzword that most people don't don't talk about anymore these days. but what what do you tell you know retailers that had an in-store experience that really didn't have a digital experience, or the stores that had a digital experience? right now is probably not the best time to have a, you know, in-store brick and mortar experience evolve, but for some industries it is. And I, and I've, and I've heard a different, a couple different, you know, unique ideas in the retail world of how some digital companies are starting to build brick and mortar experiences for, you know, the coming days, six months, a year, two years from now. What do you tell companies that have had a brick and mortar experience that uh, have not had a digital experience and, or you know, have not had the best digital experience, what, what should they do to kind of bridge that gap for their customers?
1: Well, there are so many third-party solutions that one can partner with to do things like providing, whether it's providing your products on a marketplace or allowing it to be delivered to to shoppers. So, so I think that they're there are a lot of interim solutions to kind of get you from point A to point B if that's the state that you are. But in other cases, uh, there are a lot of off the shelf best-in-class solutions, I mean, that's one of the advantages of being behind digitally is that there's no need to really reinvent the wheel. I mean, it's pretty established what's a good, decent digital presence. But in some cases, it just doesn't make sense for a lot of businesses and or the way that they've executed it. When you look at a sector like off-price, it is very, very difficult to have a true omni-channel experience and off-price tr- off because the inventory is, is very unique. But that doesn't mean that there's not some business opportunity. I mean, the flash sale sites all started in 2008 or around the recession. And um, that's a, that, that shows that there is a business opportunity there. It just may not be the one that physical stores have looked at.
0: Yep, yep, understandable. And again, as we kind of get into the post-COVID days, and I know, uh, you know, that's questionable when people actually feel comfortable going back in-store and shopping. What are some of the some of the in-store experiences that you've seen in the past that you think were great and some, some experiences that you think retailers should start to think about mimicking in, in, in the coming months and years?
1: That is a good question. I think that there isn't necessarily a universal solution. You can look at companies that have resonated with shoppers like a Lululemon or a Trader Joe's. And I don't know that there is any universal theme that runs through the stores that people do like to visit other than you got to have good inventory that people want to buy. And as far as the experience goes, I mean, it needs to be a physically appealing environment. It needs to have price points that are acceptable to whoever the audience is, whether it is a value-seeking audience or it's a premium audience, and that and it needs to to be in a physical place that's relatively accessible to customers, whatever that means, whether it is um, a pop-up store or you know in a convenient location or in you know, whether it's, it's in an airport setting, but even, I mean, even those scenarios, those situations have changed even in the last few weeks. And, you know, what may have been a formula for success in the past, isn't necessarily a formula for success now. I mean, we would look at dense, highly trafficked urban areas as really, you know, anywhere on fifth Avenue in New York city as being highly desirable up until like, you know, eight weeks ago, when that's like one of the worst places you can be right now. So much of this is is evolving, it's changing. You have to start with great physical product and you have to be able to be nimble and to adapt to however customers want to procure that merchandise. And what is really different now is that orthodoxies are completely changed and you almost... You know, you have to expect the unexpected at at any point in time and and adjust for that. I mean, it's it almost it's it's a particularly difficult solution. It's a particularly difficult lesson for companies that are heavily invested in physical properties. What I think may what may happen is that you know over, you know it's going to take a long time for these companies to shake out and new companies to be rebuilt. But you'll hopefully have you know, an opportunity for for maybe new entrepreneurs to build new businesses in the future that take into consideration some of these, these changed approaches.
0: One of the things that you had said uh, kind of a, a little bit before is, you know, the use of AI or those sorts of technologies, if implemented correctly, it's probably the right time to start to think about those if you have not. And as, as uh, retailers start to think about that, what are some of the technologies that you feel like have been adopted at a faster pace than expected, uh, and, wh- and what is kind of the future of technology hold? Like, what are, what are technologies? You kind of said it, uh, you know, quickly uh, a little bit ago, AI. But are there technologies that can be put together uh, for retailers that you think can be beneficial in the coming years?
1: In the near term, a lot of what is going to be important is anything that is going to help retailers make their customers feel safe. That's going to help them preserve cash. And it's going to help them meet their their basic customer needs. As far as as more sophisticated, a lot of the things that may have been on a to-do list, I think, will continue to be pushed further and further out on a to-do list. Some of the the near-term solutions are going to be anything that can help a retailer save money, that can help a retailer solve some of these needs that they may have, like how do you make sure that you know what inventory is in a store or not in a store, in a world where maybe you have less staff to, to manage that store, how do you make sure that there's a solution to help fill inventory or take products to a person curbside. So those are probably some of the short-term solutions that that we'll be talking about. Some of the quick pivots are, can you expand your assortment and deliver against some of these things that customers want without having to invest more heavily in inventory? And that can be achieved with either dropship solutions or marketplace solutions. So Those are some of the things that I think will likely be important for companies to think about.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Sucha. Thank you for the wealth of information. Any last words for our listeners?
1: No, no. I I think you were pretty comprehensive in a lot of the questions that you were asking. I hope this was useful.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It was great. And and again, thank you for uh, the wealth of information. I hope you have a great rest of your day.
1: Yeah, thank you. You too.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortareborn.com.